Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. Okay. Week nine, COVID-19 in California. This is just a placeholder to help us know where we are kind of in this process. And I'm going to talk with you about what are you feeding your brain because it's really important especially during this time of uncertainty. Our brains don't like uncertainty. We've hit decision fatigue. We're exhausted. And what you feed your brain is really, really important. And I'm not talking about nutritional content or calories or the types of food. That's not what I'm talking about today. So I will talk with you about that in a little bit. But before we get started, I have a shout out to do for Susan Neal Yoga. Thank you. Thank you so much, Susan, for supporting the show and leaving an iTunes review. I loved reading the iTunes reviews. So you guys keep them coming. You can feed my brain this way. And she wrote, improve your life. Wow. This podcast covers a wide variety of topics to improve your life. I learn something new with each episode. That is awesome. Susan Neal yoga. I'm so thankful that you learn and I'm thankful that you shared with me your insights. So for those of you that haven't done it yet, go and click that review button and leave an Apple podcast review or leave it on whatever. If you're on Spotify or an Android device, go ahead and leave the review. It is a way to support the show and I love reading it and I can give you a shout out. Okay. So when you wake up in the morning, what's rumbling in your brain rumbling. Like it's like you wake up and what are the stories that are just all of a sudden coming at you? Oh no, I don't want to get up. There's not enough time. Are you noticing you're feeling anxious already at the start of the day before things have happened? Are you overwhelmed? I know many Monday mornings I'm like, Oh God, here we go. Is your brain telling you that there's not enough time? There's too much to do that. You're not sure how much longer you can handle this. Do you want to hide in your bed? Do you wake up then and immediately grab your phone and let other people's requests fill your brain? I used to do that. I did this group called, I think it was the year of yes. It was a year long group and it was called the year of yes. And I can't remember what exactly it was, but we had an assignment of making small changes. I don't remember exactly what the assignment was, but what I remember the commitment I made was I wasn't going to grab my phone first thing in the morning and let the world impact me, whether it was through social media or email. And even though to this day, I still sleep with the phone by my bed and we're working on that small changes. And this group was, I don't know, a long time ago, maybe seven or eight years ago, but to get out of the practice of immediately grabbing my phone, because all of a sudden I would get other people's agendas in my brain first thing in the morning. So if you grab your phone, we don't need to judge it. Just notice that's something you do. Do you read the news and let other people fill your brain in that way? That's another way. And I want you to stop for a moment and think about how do you want to feel as you move through the day? 
Do you want to take on other people's energies? And oh my gosh, I've got to get this and start feeling anxious or you feel overwhelmed or you feel stressed or you're angry because of something you read. Is that how you want to start your day? For me, how I want to start my day is I want to feel grounded. Like that's a huge, especially I think during COVID-19, I've changed my morning journaling, my mindset practice into a grounded practice. I do my mindset, but I get myself grounded. So I want to feel confident, you know, and I know that I will get done what needs to get done. And I also know that I put on more, and this is a work in progress. I put on more on my list when human has the capacity to do, but I want to feel confident. So I know I'll get done what gets done. I have plenty of evidence. That's one of the feelings I want to feel. I want to feel calm. When I'm calm, I'm much clearer. When I'm anxious, I'm not as clear and I'm frenetic. I want to feel compassionate. I want to treat myself with kindness. I want to feel empathy. What's working? What needs improvement? You know, especially right now, I want to feel optimistic really want to feel optimistic. So those are the feelings that I want to feel throughout the day. What are the ones that you want to feel and deciding that and thinking about like, how do I want to feel? And when you wake up first thing in the morning, do the habits that you do, do they allow you to feel those feelings or are you feeling other feelings or frustration and then creating more dirty pain with what you're taking in and consuming? So when I wake up in the morning, the thing I love to do is journal. And it's kind of funny because as I said that, I'm like, yeah, but sometimes I hate it because I do. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't want to do it. And I become like a teenager about it. I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm making me. <laughs> You're not making me. That would be Corinne not making me do it. <laughs> but we all have resistance. I have lots of resistance, folks. So I do love to journal because I know not, I don't love the journal going in. Because part of me is like, how much time is this going to take? I don't have time. I've got a lot of stuff to do. If I don't do it, I can get a lot of other things done. There can be that chatter. And as I tell you that, like I can feel the stress raise inside of me. It's so fascinating, right? But what I've done is I know that on the other side, when I finish the journaling, I'm always happy. An example of this is the parents on the Aqua Monsters, they'll come to me, especially when their kids are young and, you know, maybe about a month into it. And they're like, oh my God, my kid just loves so many. They love it. It's just so amazing. And they're feeling this like proud yay me parent moment. Like I'm such an amazing parent. I chose the monsters and my kids loving it. And I'm like, oh yes, it's great. And I always know that what's coming, whether it's, you know, in three months, three years, at some point is the kid's not going to want to come to practice. And then the parents get really frustrated. They're like, but they loved it. And what's happened? And I come to learn is one, especially when kids are going from school to swim practice, because we have some practices that are right after school, they've been in school all day and they want to go home and zone out on their digital devices or play video games or not be told what to do. The last thing they want to do is to jump into the pool where somebody's going to tell them what to do. And then they may have to work outside of their comfort zone, depending on if you're five or seven or 10 or, you know, in high school. So it, it's all very different, but they're not like, oh yeah, I can't wait to do that. And I always look at the parents and I'm like, I don't go yippee skippy. I can't wait to go to the gym. But how are your kids afterwards? Because when I finish my workouts, I'm really happy. 
So I said, how are your kids afterwards? They're like, oh, they're so happy. I said, okay, you never evaluate on the drop off. You evaluate on the pickup. So with my journaling, it's the same advice I give to myself. There may be days that I have resistance. I'm like, okay, I'm like my seven and unders. Don't evaluate now, evaluate afterwards. How do you feel afterwards? So if you have resistance, it's okay. Move through it and then evaluate. So I love to journal because it lets me clear out all the junk in my head. Because your brain, when it's sleeping, it is actually clearing it out and then it's there, it's at the forefront. And so I want to really remove it and I need to declutter it out of my brain. And then what I do in my mindset practice is I tell my brain what to think. I tell my brain what to believe, where to focus on, and what is true for today. Now, for those of you that are skeptics, and that's okay, because I can be very skeptical. It's not about me lying to myself. I'm not filling myself up with a bunch of BS. And I'm also, if you know me, I hate this concept of fake it till you make it because the work I do so much is in the shame of I'm a fraud, I'm an imposter, I'm not enough. The last thing we need to do is add more pain of lying to ourselves. So faking it is a shame trigger. We're not doing that. But when I tell myself what to think, what to believe, I'm telling myself the truth. So for instance, it is May, 2020 during this period of COVID and my brain wants to start to look at and try to figure out August or September or, you know, when's going to be a possible concert I can go to. Well, I don't have enough information right now to know what the obstacles are going to be, whether it's if there are decisions that I can make as a leader or there are decisions that I can make as, you know, someone who wants to go to a concert. So there are different decisions, right, that I can be tapping into. I don't know what the obstacles are going to be. I don't know what the problems are going to be. And I definitely can't come up with solutions. I can make myself busy to tell myself I'm being productive, right? This is that vulnerable feeling that everybody's feeling right now during this time. So when I tell myself of like, here are the 12 different ways and I'm fanatic about it, but I don't know. So one of the things I can do is get myself to focus on what do I know right now? What is true right now? instead of trying to figure out August 2020 or anything in the future, making decisions, making plans. And normally we could be making plans. You know, my August 2020 was supposed to be in Australia and possibly New Zealand. We would have been making plans for that. That is no longer on the table. So we are used to planning ahead of time and knowing that these things can happen. And that's where it's really vulnerable right now, because we don't know when we can make these plans. We can't put things down because we don't know what it's going to look like. And then that can create a lot of fear, but we need to remember what do we know for sure right now? And right now I know that I can figure things out. I know I'm resourceful. I'm grateful for the flowers that are growing outside my window that I'm looking at as I'm talking with you. I know that I'm strong. I know that I'm resilient. And I also know that, you know, last year at this time when we were figuring out our trip to Australia, I didn't have my ticket quite yet. Anyways, my family did, but I didn't because I wasn't quite sure how I was going to go and do it. So I didn't have, even though my family was already going, there was a lot of me not knowing back then. So oftentimes when we make these plans, they're also an illusion because we don't really know how it's all going to work out, right? But we like that concrete decision because now it's there. It's an anchor for us. 
So when I tell myself what to think, what to focus on, it's telling myself I'm not going to focus on August because I don't know what it's going to look like. And I can just spin my wheels on brain juice to try to figure things out. But I don't know. I have no idea what it's going to look like. So I bring my focus back because I know when I go out there, it can start to ignite some fear because all of a sudden I can start to get into that uncertainty and then I can start dress rehearsing tragedy. And we all know my brain is really damn good at dress rehearsing tragedy. I can have a catastrophe. If you listen to my podcast last week when I was worried about not answering emails at 8.45 at night and the team was going to go down, my brain is really good. I mean, I've gotten better, but my brain really likes to go there. So I don't want to go there because it's unnecessary. It's me indulging in the drama. But I tell myself what I know for sure. And I focus on that. And sometimes it can be like telling myself what to do is when I can look at my day and I have it planned out, go deep breath. Okay. I know I will get done the important things. And I know, you know, as I'm figuring out what's important and what's not, that it's learning and I'm going to fine tune it and I'm going to continue to practice because it's always in continual practice. And that's another thing that I tell myself, Corinne, you're practicing. It's okay. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm telling myself what to think, when I'm telling myself what to believe. I'm not lying to myself. I'm not blowing smoke. I've never been a person that blows smoke. So I'm not a coach that does that. I don't kiss ass. I don't make things Pollyannish. I'm practical and I'm grounded. But I tell myself the truth because the other side is when my brand likes to dress for her tragedy, that's not telling myself the truth either. When I'm saying the ship is going to go down because I don't answer an email, that's really indulgent, right? And it's dialing up a lot of panic inside of me instead of like, what's really true? Will this need to be answered in this moment? And what I've come to realize is most emails don't need to be answered in that moment. They can be answered over a period of time. So the beliefs that I talked about, like I can figure things out. I am resourceful. I'm grateful for the flowers. Gosh, I've been grateful for those flowers during this COVID period of time. That has been one of my go-tos. I'm strong. I'm resilient. And then I would also talk about like what I'm grateful for. Like, especially in the very beginning, I was like, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. And I was very specific. Those are what I call anchor beliefs. And when I create them in the morning. Those are like my standard ones that I've been using for a long time. But in the morning when I'm doing my mindset journaling and my brain is fresh and it's resourceful and it's right, it's not exhausted at the end of the day when I'm suffering from decision fatigue, but it's fresh in the morning, I can create some more. And then what happens is that I then use that during the day as I start to hit decision fatigue our brains get tired of making choices. It does. And so, you know, as something comes up or an obstacle or an email or a phone call or, you know, whatever the news, whatever it may be. And my brain wants to go into dress rehearsing tragedy. I'm like, Oh, well I can figure things out. I'll figure it out. And does it need to be figured out today in May of 2020? Or is this a problem that needs to be figured out maybe in July or in August, depending on when the timeline is like, I can figure it out. So that part is really important and why I do this in the morning because my brain is fresh versus later in the day when I'm coming up upon other people's energies, you know, their emotions or just, you know, the regular obstacles of day-to-day life. These anchor beliefs ground me, they calm me, they allow me to have perspective 
and use my entire brain, the wizard with a W, wizard brain, that is resourceful and resilient and figure out shit versus my lizard brain with an L, lizard, which is the reptilian part of our brain, the amygdala, which is fight, flight, or freeze, right? And if I'm in my lizard brain, I lose perspective, which when you are dealing with obstacles, you want to have perspective. It's your way to be resourceful to solve problems. Or I don't want to be stuck in like one of my glorious shame storms, right? Where then I go off and I live in the swamp land of shame and I'm hiding away or, you know, I'm gladiating either onto those that I love or I'm inner gladiating onto me. Because remember, we need compassion right now. So gladiating is not compassion when you're being that inner critic, that judging, that beating the crap out of yourself, right? We don't need any of that. So I want to use my entire brain and connect with my emotions instead of going into my lizard brain, which is flight, flight, or freeze, or being stuck in the glorious shame storms, which you're either going to want to disconnect, approve a whore, or gladiate. So that's why I am starting with what are you feeding your brain? What do you feed your brain? And I'm not talking about greens or collagen or MC2. That's what I'm talking about. But what messages are you allowing in your brain and where maybe you be allowing messages to seep in that drain you? So I'm going to give you some examples. I'll share with you some examples. I notice my energy around the news and It's not that I don't want to be uninformed because I don't want to, but I've continued to learn, especially during this period, that reading the news in bed at 10 p.m. at night does not allow for a good night's sleep. And there've been many Friday nights where I get into bed and I'm already tired from the week. (laughs) So my brain is pretty raw and I go and read the news. Those have not been good nights up till 1245 at night, tossing and churning, Reading the news at that time is not how I want to feed my brain. Now, this is all personal. You reading the news at 10 p.m. at night may work great for you, may not be in effect for you. This is what I've noticed, what I've learned, especially during this period of time, because I kept testing it out because I thought, oh, this is fine. And I would be on my iPad and hit the New York Times and then go down this trail of news and I kept noticing that the next day when I woke up, I was not refreshed. I was exhausted. The results became pretty evident for me. So while it's my experience, it may not be yours. But think about the ways that you feed your brain. What do you consume? What are you reading? What are you watching on television? What media are you consuming? Social media, podcasts other people, their energy, right? Who are you talking to? Are you talking to somebody who can be an alarmist right before you go to bed or right before you're walking into a big meeting? Well, now it'd be a Zoom meeting, right? Or you're putting together a proposal. Notice what are you consuming? What is your physical environment like? Because you're also consuming that, the energy of that space, whether it's indoors and outdoors and not blaming yourself for having a place of shame. Because as I speak, I have a pile of papers on my desk that I've been here through this COVID. And yes, I've always known that I need to take care of that. And I've also known that I don't have capacity and I've given myself permission to not deal with that. And that is okay. But what is your physical environment and what are you consuming from that physical environment? 
Oprah Winfrey has once said, your home should rise up to meet you. Do you have some space where it's rising up to meet you? If that's important to you, my husband, that's not important to him. If it's important to you, then what have you been able to create for yourself? If it's not important to you, that's not something to worry about feeding your brain. Another area where you can feed your brain is outdoors. You know, I was talking earlier about the flowers outside and that like looking at that, I'm feeding my brain this beauty and this life and this energy of nature. What are you feeding your brain? The trees, nature, flowers, your backyard. What are the images that you're feeding your brain? What is the experience that you're feeding your brain? Now with reading, I want to talk about when you read something, is this going to drain your energy or is it going to uplift you? And last night I was really tired. It was a really long day and I was really tired and I had a meeting at night and I wanted to read. That was my plan in the morning was to get some reading and I just didn't have capacity. My brain couldn't think and I wanted my brain to turn off and not think. So I did watch a television show for a bit before I went to bed. I don't beat myself up. I check in with what do I have the energy for. So before you read, what do you want to read? I check in, do I want it to be entertainment that I want to read a story? And it's interesting because I don't have much fiction that I read. And then when I do get a fiction book, I do love it and I devour it and it's so much fun, but I don't have it in my queue. I just finished up a biography that I loved and I have, I always have lots of learning books. I have a learning book that's top of the book stack. So which one do I want to read? The biography, the memoir, because I love people's stories. And for me, that's entertaining. Or do I want to read learning? And I had to check in with what is the capacity my brain has? One of the things that I've learned is that learning books really, for me, need to stop by 9 p.m. I've been preferring to read them earlier. And a couple of weeks ago, I was reading a learning book and, and it was like at seven, I spent 75 minutes like grudgingly going through this book that I really wanted to read and I was really interested in. I'm not quite sure I absorbed 30 minutes of content in the 75 minutes. It was a struggle and the struggle was real and it was something I really wanted to read. But again, for me at that time, I'd much rather consume my time with that than filling it with news before I went to bed. So speaking of news, I have figured out, and it's a fluid situation, right? Of what are my best practices, I guess. But I figured out kind of a time of when is okay for me to check in with the news. And it tends to be more at the end of my workday, you know, early evening, check in, find out what happened through the day. And I'm not going to be reading it at 10 o'clock at night. And it's so easy to do, right? Because we all have these digital devices. But I went down that internet hole. So I take in the news because I want to be aware in the early evenings and that's when I consume it because I have the resilience to still consume some of the difficulties, some of the obstacles where at night, I don't really have that resilience for that or the capacity. And then with television, and this is something I've learned because I tend to like a lot of action shows but I started to notice it was like, it was harder and harder to go to sleep. And I was, I'm working on practicing better sleep for myself. I've had to be aware of, is this television show going to frustrate me? Is it going to frighten me? Is it going to feel traumatized? Or am I going to feel entertained? And our family tends to like to watch hour long dramas. That's just something we've gotten in the habit of over the years. And they're great because right there, 44 minutes or so when you've got a TiVo 
in our family likes to have a television show because it requires less brain juice to jump in and to watch a television show than to figure out like what movie and can we all agree on it? There's so much more brain juice figuring out movies, especially because the movies tend to be a democracy and not a dictatorship. So we have a different plan for that now where each person gets to pick a movie and whether it's a rom-com or a four hour and 44 documentary on the 1984 Olympic games, that's 16 days of glory, by the way, that's what we watch. And so we rotate through that. But during other parts, we watch a television show. And so we had just finished up one of our longtime family dramas. The show had ended. We were spending time and lots of energy about, okay, what do we watch? What do we watch? And then my youngest daughter said, I think we need some humor. (laughs) It's COVID. You know, she's a senior in high school going through tremendous loss herself. Like, I think we need some humor. And so she came up with a couple show options and I'm like, huh, I've heard about it, but I never really looked. And one was The Good Place. And I knew Ted Danson was in there, but I didn't know. And we started watching that. Oh my gosh, that has been a great show. We're now in season three and we're almost done with it, but it has been a great show and, you know, entertain our brain, make us laugh, right? To watch the silliness of some of it. It has been a nice thing to feed our brain before we go off to bed. So that is something that we have really liked. And, you know, cause like right now I said, my daughter's going through the senior year cancellations, right? So there is pain and she is feeling her pain and there's nothing wrong with having humor as well. We're not distracting ourselves. This is one aspect. My mom, it's so funny because, you know, I've got this really hard work ethic from my mom who is Korean and she's, uh, you know, survived two wars growing up in Korea. But the thing I've learned about her, and I remember this as a child, she loves comic strips, like especially the family circus. And so she'll like actually post it on her Facebook wall. I don't even know how to do it. So my mom, who not the greatest at technology, but she does this. And that's her way of like feeding her brain some humor, a brief moment of humor that she puts out into her world and it's spread onto me. All right. The media is another way that we feed our brains. And what I talked about earlier with the news is checking in, knowing when do you have the resilience and capacity to read, watch, or consume the news. And when COVID was first happening, I was checking in with the news first thing in the morning wasn't something that's part of my habit. But before I started working with clients, I wanted to be aware of, okay, what was the latest news? What's happening so that I can support my clients. Since that point, I realized most of the news, you know, at this point is not so new and fresh. And I have enough information that I don't need to fill my brain with the news because that took a lot of emotional energy to have the constraint to stay focused when having that information. Social media, who is in your newsfeed, right? Is your feed giving to you or is it draining to you? I've had to go in and stop following some people or put them on snooze for 30 days or in my Instagram, like really getting more deliberate about what do I want to see coming through, right? And those are places that I want to see, especially Instagram, I'm going there more like, the focus I want to be is what's going to inspire me and motivate me and maybe entertain me, which is kind of my show. So podcasts, that is important. Like what do you need to feed your brain to nourish and support you? Or do you need humor and entertainment? And so what is the information that you're putting into your brain in that way? The podcasts are such a 
intimate space, right? You have somebody in your ear. What's the messaging that you want to hear? You get to be deliberate of what you choose. And I thank you so much for choosing this show. Then the other part of like when you're feeding your brain is people, like actual humans in your life. We've been told, you know, there's been so much messaging about connecting and connecting and reaching out. And I have a client who was like, oh my gosh, Karen, like, you know, I'm being told like, I need to reach out to people. And, you know, that's the message I just keep seeing over and over in social media. And my clients are overachievers. And a lot of them are like, I'm supposed to be, you know, the good girl, the good person. They live by that rule. And they're trying to work on breaking that. So when you are an overachiever, and then you're trying to live by this good girl rule that can create a situation where you do things that you should do, and you get even more drained. So yes, while I believe connection is important, and even more so during this time, check in with you of who are you connecting with and why, and make sure you really like your reason why. That's really important. And then the next step is what is your capacity to connect? Is it via email, text, a phone call, a Zoom meeting, or mailing a card or a postcard. I have a client who's so great about sending cards and I've always loved receiving cards. And one of my best friends in Montana sent me a card recently and I loved it. And I've always loved sending cards, like cards. I remember I used to like to spend a lot of time at Hallmark and buying cards for people. And then I got out of the habit, you know, get an excuse of I'm too busy. So I've already bought a couple of orders of Emily McDonald's cards, and I'll put a link in the show notes because I just love her cards. They're empathy cards. So they're not sympathy cards. We don't need to have a pity party for people, but empathy. And that's what we all need in this world right now is empathy. I've been sending cards and postcards to people I want to connect with. And some people I don't have the capacity right now to be on the phone with. I just don't. And I've given myself permission, but I wanted to reach out to them. They don't have to respond back. And here's a little gift in the mail. So a card is a great thing, but really knowing like here are all these different modalities of connecting. What do you have the ability to do? And who are the people that you want to do it with and giving yourself that permission? Because we all know we have people in our lives that can be really draining or they can be feeding our brain with all the tragedies and you even have the capacity or you surrounding yourself with people that fuel you and that, you know, make you think and, you know, you feel energized after that conversation with them. So there's nothing wrong with it. Just notice what are you feeding your brain with your connections? Another way to feed your brain is through music. So Back in my teenage years, I loved listening to music and I listened to hours. I used to make tapes for myself, for my teammates, and we'd make them for each other, right? And <laughs> I also listened to a lot of the Smith and the, and the cure to perpetuate the misery I was feeling as a teen. And then I left music at some point. As an adult, I stopped playing music. I stopped listening to music. I was like, oh, I'm a busy person. You know, I must learn. I must work really, 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 really hard. So I left music and now I am slowly returning back to music. And when I was writing this podcast, when I was writing about it, I was actually listening to my, who's now my favorite artist, Alicia Keys in the background. And the energy I get from her music is inspirational. 
It feels good just listening to it. And then as I've been learning the words and hearing the stories in it, inspires me to actually, it's another learning because it's a person telling her story and sharing it. So I have used music through this COVID-19 and when I've been exhausted, music has inspired me. It's given me energy. It's like, okay, at the end of the day, and I want to work out, but I don't want to work out. And then I use music to give me that push so that I go and work out and I can nourish my body. And I feel so much better with music moving through me and then moving my body versus if I just sat on the couch and scrolled through social media and not exercise, calling that self-care. That wasn't self-care. I give you many examples. What are you going to feed your brain with? What energy do you get or lose from what you're putting into your brain? And this time it's really important to be deliberate of what you put into your brain because we are all more stressed and tired. Our brains don't like uncertainty. That's our current existence during COVID-19. And so we want to feed our brain to nourish it. So you have the energy to be brave in your life, to be clear in your life, to be loving in your life. And remember, my friend, there's no right or wrong. And it's definitely not about doing it perfectly because that can be draining. So instead, come up with a list of what you want to feed your brain and ask yourself, does this nourish me or drain me? Why am I doing this? Do I like my reason why? And if you do do it, and if you don't, what can be improved? Either don't do it or find a more compelling reason why that motivates and inspires you. And then afterwards, evaluate what you want to keep and what you want to let go of. This is like a three minute thing. You guys don't make it into this two hour ordeal really simply ask yourself those questions. What you feed your brain is not a distraction tool. This is about being a deliberate creator of what you're choosing to think, what you're choosing to tell yourself, what you're choosing to focus on. What are you feeding your brain? It's the foundation of how you show up in your day. And another way to think about it is it's brain hygiene. How are you taking care of your brain. Or another way to think about it is if your brain is the crown jewels, how are you taking the most exquisite care of your brain? So for me, it's about nourishing my brain. It's about nurturing my brain and not adding additional unnecessary stress from a television show or reading Facebook comments or reading the news at 10 o'clock at night. And The first few decades of my life, I didn't realize I had a choice of what I was putting into my brain or that it even mattered. And what I know for sure is we all have this choice and what we feed our brain really matters. It can drain you. It can inspire you. And you probably already know this because you're a listener here on this podcast, but my intention for this show since 2006 has been to inspire, empower, and entertain. When you feed your brain with inspiration and possibilities, it allows you to nourish yourself, to learn and grow, and to be the best version of you. Not working harder you, but to be what's already inside of you. Nourish your brain. Take the most exquisite care of your brain. 
I am smiling big for you and your brain. Hey there, before we go, I have a question for you. Have you subscribed to the show yet? This is an awesome opportunity for you to preserve your brain juice. I love the fact that I can subscribe to podcasts and television shows and they go straight to my iPhone or they go straight to my DVR and then I don't have to worry of, oh no, especially with television shows. Did I hit record? Is it going to be there? Or now do I have to watch it on demand and go through all the commercials? So go and hit the subscribe button. There's a link in the show notes and that will ensure you that you never miss a show and you can also save your brain juice for other things in your life. There's way more important things, but you and I will still be connected because the show will be waiting for you in your phone. Go to the link in the show notes, subscribe to the show so you can automatically get all the shows to your phone. On a lake, she is dreaming. She is drifting, never been so wild.